What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Lakers Outsiders podcast and stream. As you can see, off to a great start. Just about did most of the intro with no audio, and uh, I've already got my co-host Honey Amani laughing at me. Honey, you, we're you, back. You're the one coming back from vacation. Like uh, you're supposed to be the rusty one, not me, man. Sounds like you're the one that needs a vacation. <laughs> I at least need a Popeye's chicken sandwich, I think, to kind of get me going a little bit. But I agree. That would be a, a great boost to all of our chances of making it through this podcast. <laughs> yeah, and I've got the title all wrong, and I'm just yeah, just struggling. I'll update it here in a second. But um, we are going to be talking about Lakers free agency. They've got mostly a full roster, still a couple open roster spots. So we're going to talk about that at the end of the show. Um, but we're going to be talking about our, how we feel about the Lakers' free agency process and their trade for Russell Westbrook, and that led to obviously some free agent signings, a, a theme of the free agent signings, and all that stuff. And uh, like I said, we'll kind of wrap this thing up with who we think should fill those last couple spots because Lakers do have three open roster spots um, as of right now. Um, hopefully, no breaking news goes off while we're recording this, but hey, well, worse things have happened. So, um, all right, Hani. We, me and you haven't really gotten to discuss Russell Westbrook, and we'll, we'll discuss that more at a, more in depth at a later date. Um, but after trading for, for Russell Westbrook, basically trading everybody not named LeBron and AD that was under contract for next year, uh, I guess outside of Mark Gasol at the time, uh, the Lakers have kind of scrapped together a, a very, uh, I don't want to say an old team, it is an older team, um, but a lot of pretty good veterans for, for really, really cheap. How are we feeling about uh, free agency for the Lakers so far? Um, it's been a mixed bag for me. I think uh, the defining feature of this offseason is very much clearly that they went from a team that had a lot of depth last season um, and obviously didn't end the way that they wanted it to, to a team that now has a true big three. They have a third star in, in, in Russell Westbrook. And in my opinion, much lesser depth. Um, like you said, a lot of the veterans that they got are, are good, talented players. Um, it, it, you can clearly see that it was a priority for them to add a lot of shooters, and they did that. Um, but having said that, there are going to be a, a lot of... Uh, you know, a, a lot of things that they had to give back to get that as well. So, um, you know, the, the age of the roster is, is a concern, just like you said, that it is an older team. Um, you know, LeBron is getting older. Russ is getting older. Uh, he's had some injury issues recently. Um, and, you know, throughout the, the rest of the roster, there's a lot of older guys that may not always be available because of that. Um, the defense of the roster, I think, has, has taken a big hit. Um, you know, losing guys like uh, KCP, um, Alex Caruso, even Kyle Kuzma, those are those were really valuable defenders for this team. And really, the Lakers are kind of going into this season putting a lot of faith um, and, and a lot of deserved faith, I should say, in, in Frank Vogel and him being able to figure that side of the uh, floor out, regardless of what sort of um, pieces he has around his, you know, two major difference makers defensively mm -hmm. that are Anthony Davis and LeBron James. Um, so, I mean, you know, it, my, my thoughts on the offseason kind of change day by day and player by player. There's a lot of guys that I really uh, am either fans of from before, like a guy like Carmelo Anthony, who 
I have a lot of questions about um, um, how he's going to play, but it has always been one of my favorite players in the league. So I'm really cool, happy to, to be rooting for him. Same thing with Westbrook. Um, and a lot of guys that, that I have questions about how good they are, if they're going to be big difference makers, you know, guys like Trevor Ariza, who uh, to me the, these last couple of years has not really been a good basketball player anymore. Hey, uh, no Trevor Ariza slander. <laughs> I love that guy. I mean, he's, he's always going to have, have a special place in my heart, but he also looked entirely washed up last season. And a lot of this is like, you, you just never know. Some of these guys may come into a better situation, play with better players like LeBron and, and be much better. Um, the guy I kind of look at as an optimistic barometer is Nick Batum with the Clippers last season. He looked completely washed up in, in Charlotte because you know, it, it could be anything. It could be the fact that you just didn't have good players around him to, to help him. It might not have been good enough coaching to put him in good positions. It might have been him not really caring because he wasn't on a good team. Goes to the Clippers, and you could make an argument that he was their third or fourth best player all season long um, and, and was huge. So is that something that a guy like Ariza can do? Um, or, you know, a guy like Kendrick Nunn, who's obviously younger, uh, been a scorer throughout the league, but there's a lot of questions about his defense, especially, and, and whether he that scoring is sort of empty calories or not. Um, I love me some empty calories, though. Me too, I know. <laughs> uh, I filled up with those a lot on my vacation. <laughs> uh, um, so, so, yeah, I mean, like, I, it, it's really hard for me to put a, a constant, like, thought on this season uh, on this offseason of, of whether I think the Lakers are even better than they were last year or not um, there's just a lot of oh I really like this piece oh I'm, I'm really not sure about this piece and it all comes down to for me is just one can their guys stay healthy this year which hopefully they will be they have a longer offseason you know LeBron's injury was was a much fluky flukier injury obviously he's getting older there's a higher chance of those happening but throughout his career he's he has been uh, uh, just insanely healthy um you know ad is a guy who hasn't necessarily always been healthy had been healthier the last few years and and last season was just awful pretty much start to finish for him and then westbrook as well you know he, he's had his fair share of injuries even though he's a tank and, and still one of the most athletic guys in the league you know he's had those knee injuries and, and those issues so if those guys are healthy and if those three specifically learn how to play with each other then, yeah, I have no problem saying that the Lakers are still favorites in the West and uh, probably 50-50 with the Nets as, as overall favorites to win the title. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of questions that have to be asked and answered in between now and the playoffs and the finals next year that I don't really know if I have answers for. <laughs> yeah, it's it's an interesting – it's kind of a shift in identity, right? This, this team was very much built on defense the last two years and just relying offensively to say LeBron and AD – kind of do just do everything for us right like just kind yeah. of play around the superstars the the title team now two seasons ago did kind of have the benefit of an additional playmaker in a guy like Rajon Rondo who in large part was not great in the regular season but in the playoffs had moments of brilliance and I think that kind of catapulted them to another gear that other teams couldn't hit during that playoff run I mean they went 16 and 5 in that playoff run were just just really really fun to watch and just an incredible basketball team Last year, I mean, you had that, I think, to a lesser extent with Dennis Schroeder. Um, it's, it's funny because la going into last year, my, I mean, we said it all, all, all throughout the season. If the Lakers were healthy, I don't think there's a team that can beat them four times out of seven. Turns out 
we didn't get to see anybody try and beat them four times out of seven fully healthy because Anthony Davis goes down. Uh, LeBron wasn't obviously 100%. Dennis Schroeder was coming back from COVID protocols and all that stuff. So, unfortunately, the short offseason and all the circumstances around the pandemic kind of doomed them in the end. But it's a big shift in identity where they basically went from a defensive-focused team, which makes sense with, with Frank Vogel, to completely shifting almost to offense and it's like they they sacrificed their defense for an elite playmaker in Russell Westbrook which was an underrated need I said this on the last show with Jacob uh, with Jacob Rude from Silver Screen and Roll that that was quietly a massive massive need for this team because when LeBron does you know if he gets hurt or just in the games or in minutes that he's not on the on the floor the Lakers needed somebody badly to make those plays. And Schroeder did that at, at times. And when he did, the Lakers usually didn't skip a beat uh, when LeBron was was either out or uh, was on the bench. Now, I mean, you you basically, you know, upgraded from Dennis Schroeder to Russell Westbrook, which is a massive, massive upgrade. Both have kind of similar question marks. I think Schroeder proved last year that uh, he was actually a pretty good defender uh, overall. Westbrook, I think, can still be a good defender. I just it's going to be a matter of mentality and buy-in um, because I, you know, I I'll, I'll admit it that I don't watch Russell Westbrook on a game-to-game basis like we obviously do with the Lakers. Um, so I don't I can't speak like too definitively about his defense. But from what I've watched, it hasn't been pretty. Uh, his off-ball defense, especially, is a big question mark. So if he can buy in, though, I still believe that he can be a good defensive player. Um, I think he's going to be a tremendous asset for this team. So they addressed the playmaking outside of LeBron issue, but they also got a lot of shooting, a lot of shooting that they just did not have last year. And it ultimately did doom them in that playoff series against the Suns. Even, you know, with AD going down, I mean, obviously that game five was a disaster, but like game six had a bunch of wide open looks. I mean, throughout the whole series, they, they struggled to hit shots and were still up 2-1 uh, at one point. But the game six especially, man, just so many wide-open looks just could not make them. And the Suns were hitting them at, at an, uh, a really successful rate, and that was ultimately the difference in the game was just shot-making. And the Lakers yeah. really addressed that. Like I said, they kind of traded defense for another elite playmaker and um, a lot of sh- a lot more shooters, a lot more uh, reliable shooters. Just kind of looking at the, the roster at this point, uh, you've got with your guards, you've got Russell Westbrook, Taylor Horton Tucker, uh, Kendrick Nunn, Wayne Ellington, uh, Malik Monk. Those are two guys that can really fill it up from deep. Um, both can, from my initial like kind of film review, and I, I've obviously, as a North Carolina fan, I've known Wayne Ellington for the longest time, and I'm, I'm happy to see him back in purple and gold. Um, two, those two guys though are can be movement shooters, which I think is is a big plus. Guys that can't that aren't just gonna stand in the corner and, and shoot. Can you can actually run actions for them and have them come off of screens and, and do all kinds of things and still catch and shoot, and and do so pretty uh, efficiently. Uh, so you've got those guys. You've got uh, LeBron James. You've got Trevor Ariza, Kent Bazemore. Uh, Anthony Davis, Carmelo Anthony, Dwight Howard, Mark Gasol. Um, a couple open roster spots to still to be filled. We're going to assume that Jared Dudley's probably going to get one of those. Um, but I was glad to see that they did still get some young pieces um, to kind of mix in because I was worried that if everybody on this team is like 32-plus, which isn't like super unexpected. I know everybody, it's been kind of like the shock and awe reaction, but when you get three max contracts on your team, you're not going to have money for young players. Like when you're ring chasing, you're going to get veterans that want to, to ring chase. 
and you're not gonna you're not gonna get like a guy coming off of his rookie contract uh, that wants to you know forego like for a four year eighty million dollar offer at age 24 25 or whatever to go sign a minimum deal to chase a championship like that's just not important or not as important to them as really financially securing their future so i was happy to see that you know they got some young legs guys like malik monk um kind of like a reclamation project really um Obviously, Taylor Horton Tucker is back. He's going to be the youngest one of one of them all, the only baby Laker really remaining. Um, and and yeah, who who else am I missing? Oh, uh, Kendrick Nunn. Nunn, Nunn. Yeah. yeah, another another guy with uh, some younger legs. And um, yeah, so I overall like the makeup of the roster. I do think Frank Vogel. <laughs> I feel a little bad. I wish they'd give him uh, some more defensive help. Maybe maybe that's where a guy like Wes Matthews comes in and, and can still play some pretty solid defense. But uh, yeah, it, it's almost like they looked at Frank Vogel and said, "We know you're a good defensive coach, so now go out and show us like how, how good you are." Because uh, yeah, they, they definitely traded a lot of defense for for shooting, which is understandable uh, because that was ultimately their downfall last year. When they played good good defense, they still just couldn't hit shots when it mattered most, and um, that should not be an issue this this time around. Knock on wood assuming everybody is, is able to stay healthy. And another good thing, too, with this with this roster that I'm, you know, just looking at these names, the only guy that I can really see that isn't going to have, like, a, a pretty normal or a lengthier offseason is Dwight Howard. Because Dwight Howard with Philly, they went to the second round against Atlanta and went seven games. Um, so they did go a little bit farther than the Lakers. But um, everybody else, I mean, was either first round or sooner. Um, in terms of their their season ending, so they'll have kind of a more normal off season, uh, allow them to kind of rest, recover, and, and really try and go back at this thing. So um, that's another another added uh, bonus because seventy one days last year, man, obviously took a toll. I think mentally and physically on the team. Um, I'd add Mark to that list just because of the Olympics as well, though. So yeah. our two our two centers are definitely going to be the the two that have had the shortest off season. Yeah, which may not be an issue if if Anthony Davis is committing to play more at, at the five. Um, plus I, I would think that, that Dwight and Mark aren't going to play heavy minutes, which is probably a good thing. And then uh, I would say Mark, especially I wouldn't be surprised if Mark Gasol kind of gets the, the JaVale McGee uh, role that we saw where JaVale basically would play two shifts, right? He would start play kind of that first quarter shift and he would start the second half a lot of times to play that second or that third quarter shift. And that was about it. And that was really all they needed. I could see the same thing with Mark Gasol, just because you're going to need you're going to need a floor spacing five essentially with Russell Westbrook on the floor, um, unless you just have you know maybe a second unit uh, lineup that has three other shooters out there. Um, yeah. Then then you might be able to make it work, which is possible. I mean they've got guys like Carmelo Anthony, Ariza, Bazemore, uh, Malik Monk, Wayne Ellington, like those types of guys that are going to be respected shooters and at least. Um, get the attention of defenses where defenses can't just stand in the paint and just wait for a drive. So um, that's how I kind of see the lineup shaking out. I'm excited to see Westbrook leading non-LeBron minutes. Um, I think the bench is – I think the Laker bench could be a major plus for them um, because they're going to have shooters around Westbrook and Westbrook. Assuming that, you know, they stagger lineups properly and you either have one of LeBron or Russ on the floor – at all times, or at least the vast majority of the time, uh, the second unit I think can can be really good for the Lakers. And 
Uh, I don't know, man. I, I like the, the, the construct of the roster. Uh, I would like to see a little bit, a little bit more defense added with the last couple spots. Um, and if they can do that, I'll feel a lot better about it. But uh, what grade, I guess, would you give uh, the Lakers offseason so far? So this could include the Russell Westbrook trade and then their, their free agent signings. Um, well, the cop-out answer would be that it's incomplete, but I'm not going to do that because that sounds like I'm my professors. <laughs> Um, I think I would give it, uh, I would give it probably about a B minus. Um, I, I like the, um, I guess for lack of a better word, the bravery of going after a third star, even if it's a guy that there's a lot of questions about in terms of his fit, um, and in terms of his mentality and, and how he's going to really, um, be able to kind of just mesh with a t- with the, the most talented team has been on in a long time uh, in terms of at least the star power uh, and how he's going to be able to take a step back if he does um, or, or whatever. Uh, you know, getting that guy at, at a pretty low value uh, in terms of what you traded to get him, I think is a is a largely good um, or at least very like brave move by the front office that I think they needed to do. Um, I'm not crazy about that fit. And like you said, we'll, we'll do a, a, a longer podcast on that. So I won't go into details about it, but uh, I have plenty of questions about that. But I do appreciate that, that they went for it with that. Um, in, in terms of the rest of the offseason, like I said, I, I have plenty of questions about a lot of players. I can't really give it a great grade because uh, a lot of these guys, I, I, I'm just very, I'm not quite optimistic about. Um, and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll need to see it actually on the floor to see how many of these guys can actually play at a, at a high enough value, uh, at a high enough quality to really win a title. Um, and then the, the, the big sore spot for me um, and for really everybody, it seems, is uh b- losing alex cruiser for nothing and um i know people especially people that aren't necessarily the lakers fans although i mean we talk about like narrative shifting and stuff so and it has a little bit um alex Crusoe is is not necessarily the difference between winning a title or not at all um he's a very great player uh he, he knows how to play within his role and he had a huge impact on that lakers title team um, but you know he he's not really what's going to stop you from winning a title or not. But he's also, uh, you know, a young guy that that would have fit his fit in his role. He would have fit alongside all of the star players. He would have done the dirty work at a at a very good value, uh, you know, relative to to what he got from the Bulls and reportedly what. Uh, he came back to the Lakers and requested, which was less than what the, what the Bulls gave him, and and they declined to even give a, a counter offer. Uh, my my main issue is that, um, to me, it seems like, and it's it's very silly because the Lakers spent so much money this offseason. You know, getting Russell Westbrook, who is getting paid something like forty million a year, I think more than that. Um, forty four, I think. Yeah, and, and having I think the largest tax bill in team history. But it still seems like they they cheaped out on on signing Alex Crusoe for whatever reason, whether they just thought he wasn't worth that value, whether they didn't want to give him a fourth year or a third year, um, 
whatever that may be, it just seems so silly to me because they could have easily kept him. And even if they didn't value him at that number, it's very clear that other teams in the NBA did, and he would have at the very least been a great trade asset. And it just seems like that was a decision that was made uh, for the team to basically save on tax money uh, a significant amount, probably. Uh, you know, I, I haven't looked at exactly what the numbers uh, would be. It would have been ten million just on his salary, and then whatever times of that. Uh, I think it would have been a, about forty million next year, just to, to sign him about ten million. Right there, you go. Um, and you know, I don't know. It, it just seems so silly to me to. You know, you're the you're the Los Angeles Lakers. You you make the most revenue in the NBA, probably. Maybe the Knicks or the Warriors uh, are, are the only teams that can compete with that. Um, and I don't think even the Knicks. It's probably just between them and the Warriors. Um, Shout out to the Knicks, by the way, for paying my boy Julius Randle today. <clears throat> and so, I don't know. It's just it's a very frustrating thing. It's, it frustrates me even when other teams do this, when, when their owners are, are not willing to shell out the money to keep good players on their team. But it's so much more frustrating when it's the Lakers because you're one of the richest franchises, uh, sports franchises in the, in the entire world, and forty million to you is, is nothing. And I understand that the Bus family, like relative to other NBA owners, are not very quote unquote rich. They are obviously so much more rich than I am. I'll, I'll trade places with every every member of the Bus family. And I understand that that their income is pretty much primarily the Lakers, mm-hmm. um, but that is an insane amount of income and and if you're not spending that money to keep a a very good player um and a player that that all your fans love um and a player that would have contributed to potentially winning a championship that's really concerning to me um i don't know if that will stop them from winning a title this year uh, if that would be the reason why it probably isn't, but down the road, I think this is a very concerning trend that they wouldn't be able to do that. And it's just, it was so avoidable too. Like I, I would have easily, and I'm, maybe people will disagree. I would have easily taken with no other context. I would have easily taken Caruso at that tally over Kendrick, Nunn at, at the money that they gave him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Caruso would have been, I, I mean, I'm, off the top of my head, and, and and I don't, I'm not looking at a roster here. I think he would have been still their second best guard after Russell Westbrook. That getting that sort of player at 10 million, a guy that could be a starter quality player. He started in Game Six of the NBA Finals um, at a at a 10 million dollar a year uh, salary is is nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, if, if push comes to shove and he doesn't have a good year or or you just don't see the fit or you just don't value him at, at that much or you don't want him on the roster past 2024 20, or three or whatever they're thinking about when they want to retool around anthony davis fine just trade him to another team and i, I would say 80 percent of teams in the nba would would jump at uh getting alex Russo at that amount of money um and give up assets to get him so i don't know that that i think I know it sounds silly for a, a team that has championship aspirations and has three superstar players, but that it, that does leave a pretty big stain on their offseason to me. And that's why I can't really give it a much better grade than, than what I gave that I can't even remember now because I talked for so long. Um, <laughs> B, B minus was the B minus. The there you go. Uh, just because I, you know, I, 
that's very concerning to me and it concerns me about how they're going to operate moving forward um and even maybe the, the rest of this season um like another question mark is going to be whether they're going to have 15 players on the roster heading into the season and my guess on that is that they won't that they won't sign that 15 player until after the trade deadline because they can save a little bit of money that way as well they don't have to pay them for half of the season um so yeah that's that's that is my uh little rant on something that annoyed me this week (laughs) my first question is do you feel better not really (laughs) (laughs) i've had a tough week in sports uh this is this is our uh I want to say daily, but we don't do these on daily. But my daily uh, soccer thing that, <laughs> I, that nobody gives a shit about when they listen to this podcast. My fucking favorite player on my team is is leaving because we physically cannot pay him money. Um, and Alex Russo is also gone, and, and KCP is gone, and everything is sadness and pain. And we should have started a GoFundMe to keep <laughs> Alex Russo. But not gonna lie, if I would have raised forty million dollars to uh, keep Alex Russo. I'm going to push it to 41 million so that I could keep a million for myself. <laughs> you were going to just say you'd keep it all, but I, all right, I respect. Just it. a million. I'll, I'll I'll take one for the team. Just a million dollars. Uh, considered a vet minimum for a podcast. That's your that's your commission. You're you're basically an agent at that point. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, all right, so I'm going to give the Lakers the a grade of a B plus. I'm a little more optimistic about the roster than than Hani is. We've, we've talked about the defense is a big question mark, and I think really the X factor for this team is going to center around Russell Westbrook and his ability and his buy-in to play good defense. I think he can do it. He's just got to do it. Um, and if he can do that, I think it goes a long way for this team because really kind of looking at the roster, the, big, the biggest question mark that I have is kind of a point-of-attack defender, which um, I guess Trevor Ariza – if you guys don't follow uh, Tim underscore NBA, uh, who kind of created the, the B-ball index, um, which is super in-depth, like analytics, all these metrics and stuff like that, really, really good stuff. Uh, Ariza actually graded out pretty well as a point-of-attack defender. And Bazemore, Bazemore maybe can as well. And then who knows, maybe Taylor Horton Tucker makes a leap defensively as well. Um, you yeah. know, So they, they possibly can. Um, but that's probably my biggest question mark right now. I think the playmaking was very, very addressed, and the, the shooting definitely was addressed as well. Um, so I think they've had a, a successful offseason, which is, you know, one one question mark, too, is going to be the continuity, the chemistry, because there's a ton of new faces on this team. It was a roster purge from a year ago that only, I think, what, four players survived? LeBron, AD, Marc Gasol, who barely survived. He was reportedly uh, almost salary dumped to Minnesota, which just feels cruel to send him there of all places. Uh, and then Taylor Horton Tucker. So uh, maybe some other guys come back. But uh, I think overall it's it's pretty good. I do have some thoughts on Alex Caruso. As you guys can see, I'm wearing my Caruso shirt. Um, kind of a it's me bidding farewell to the bald eagle until I'm watching some Bulls games on League Pass this year because they got uh, AC, they signed I think Tony Bradley, uh, another Tar Heel, and then they got my boy Kobe White. So uh, they're going to be a fun team to watch. They're going to be a fun team to and watch. Lonzo, and of course Lonzo, of course. <laughs> Come on, I, you didn't let me finish, okay? Uh, plus I like Demar Derozan as well, and yeah. they just they have they some. Went, they went all in on uh, UCLA versus USC. Yeah. So it'll it'll be fun, but um, so 
I, I agree with pretty much everything you said, Hani, about Alex Caruso. It, it does come across as the Lakers being cheap. And like you said, it is, I think, a good point that they're – there's kind of this misconception about the Lakers and their spending power because, like you said, relative to um, other owners in the league that make billions of dollars outside of their their franchise that they run, the Bus family doesn't. Like this is their business. It's the Lakers. Um, yeah. So there's kind of this idea that the Lakers, which and I know there's other minority owners and stuff like that. Um, I you know to I think the two new owners came over uh, from the Dodgers and bought like 27%, and I'm sure they kind of factor in. Both multi-billionaires can, can obviously help with that sort of thing. So to me, it is kind of inexcusable to not uh, re-sign a guy like Alex Crusoe for all the reasons that you mentioned. He's a very impactful player, the perfect type of role player that you want to play next to ball-dominant superstars. Um, and, I mean, just would, I mean, probably easily be, well, outside of Anthony Davis, would be the best defensive player um, at least on the perimeter uh, on this team. Uh, it does hurt to see him, you know, come back to the Lakers. Obviously, he did want to stay, offer to take less money um, overall, not annually, but less money overall, and it was still turned down. So, and I'm, you know, the furthest thing from like a reporter or anything like that, but what I had been hearing about Caruso was it was less of a financial issue and it was more about valuing his basketball skill set which is another red flag for another conversation that I mean his his impact was evident on stat sheets and metrics and all that stuff but it was very evident just by watching games so letting him go is pretty inexcusable to me for either of those two reasons which I try to as the older I've gotten because I was kind of thinking about this the other day you know and it made me think of like the D'Angelo Russell trade Right, where we just basically salary dumped a second pick in the draft a couple years into his career. Um, which ultimately panned out because they created a bunch of cap space and got LeBron James, which led to Anthony Davis and all this stuff. But with this trade, I just tried to kind of see it from different perspectives. And I could see I could see the argument with Caruso that you wouldn't want to pay him essentially for not pay him, but pay forty million dollars overall for him especially if you think he's not going to play heavy minutes and the thing with that too is I mean even on a three-year contract my understanding with Caruso and, and the Lakers is part of the reason why they didn't particularly value his skill set is because they weren't just this is just kind of my interpretation of what I've heard and I guess I somewhat agree with it, is that his play style and effectiveness may not be sustainable for very long because he does play so hard, plays such a physical, it's a a taxing play style to play just, you know, top-notch defense, possession after possession. He's the type of guy to dive on the floor for loose balls, all this stuff, right? Um, A lot of times those guys are, you know, good for – a handful of years, and then you start to see him really flame out. Um, and I hope that doesn't happen to Alex. I hope Alex has ten more years left in his career and plays well, and um, you know has a very successful career. But I could understand that, especially, and I don't like to point to last year, but 
I think it is notable that Alex did get injured a few times, really got banged up, didn't end up finishing the playoff series because he got hurt again. Um, and part of that could have just been due to the short offseason. Uh, it could have just been the way that he plays. Because, um, you know, we were pounding the table on that championship team for him to get more minutes. Get more minutes. Like, we were screaming about it all year to give him more minutes. But at the same time, he's the type of player that his play style, if you play him 30, 35 minutes, he's not going to play the same way because that just, you're going to run out of gas if you do that. So I could understand that aspect of it. It's still, to me, it's bad, really bad asset management, which I don't like to use the word assets when I'm talking about players because they're human beings for crying out loud. Uh, It feels like something Danny Ainge would do. But, um, yeah, I mean, like you said, Hani, if you, if you didn't value him, obviously other teams did because, I mean, you look at Dennis Schroeder, right? Dennis Schroeder yeah. turned down four years, $84 million, which at the time, you know, when it was offered to him, I don't think many Laker fans would have batted an eye if he took it and would have said, ah, you know, maybe it's a little pricey, but it's not that – it's not the worst thing in the world. Now, yeah. you know, we went they, – they went into the same free agent market together and – Alex Caruso had offers. Dennis Schroeder is still waiting for a team, and cap space is pretty much dried up. So yeah. that kind of shows you, I think, the value of Alex Caruso and, and the, the value he has on winning. And that's not even a shot at Dennis Schroeder. Dennis Schroeder kind of won me over for the most part uh, this year. There was some dumb shit that he did along the way. But um, as, as a player, I was pleasantly surprised with uh, how he played and, and his skill set overall on both ends of the floor. Uh, but Caruso just showed kind of his impact on winning – and, you know, for, for the contract that he got, I think the Lakers needed to match that. And if you don't buy in to what he's able to do long term for the reasons that I mentioned, then, yeah, like you said, honey, you scour the trade market, you see what you can get, get something back. Just letting him walk, I think, is really bad asset management. And um, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. Um I'm sad, really sad to see him go. I'm really sad to see a lot of these guys go, especially these guys that helped the Lakers win a championship like Caruso, KCP, Kuzma, um, all these guys. You know, it sucks to see yeah. him go, but that's just kind of the nature of the business. And that's why I, I would say a B plus because I do like the fact that the Lakers actually got um, probably more consistent shooting around LeBron and AD, and they added an, uh, an elite playmaker um, around them. So – the difference really between a B plus and like an A plus for me is the defense is a big question mark, and then letting a guy like Alex Crusoe walk for nothing I think um, was was a mistake. Not like you said, honey, it's not something that is going to stop them from winning a championship, um, but I think ultimately it's just it, it's a mistake. It's hard to really look at it from another lens, and uh, I'm not going to be overly critical about it because I can understand where they might be coming from from a basketball standpoint. Um, because of the the style of play, possible injuries, all that stuff. Uh, but financially, yeah, it's you know the, the Lakers obviously aren't like the Yankees back in the day because the Yankees back in the day, like when when we were kids, was basically like here here's a blank check, tell me the amount we want to buy a World Series, right? Like that's kind of the the conception of the Yankees um, and just how how they've been for for a, for a while, at least when we were kids. The Lakers aren't like that, but they almost have that. Like, that's kind of their image, right? That they can just hand over a blank check. And it's really not the case because the, the majority owners, the, the bus family, this is their income. You know, they don't have billions of dollars from other sources. Um, so, uh, yeah, 
Anyways, that's my little rant. Uh, I, I go with a B plus. Hani says uh, B minus. Let us know in the chat uh, what you guys think. And chat, I promise I'm not ignoring you guys. We're just kind of saving questions and comments till the end like we normally do. Um, so those of you that have kind of jumped on in, in the chat and followed along on Twitch um, and followed the, the channel, I uh, appreciate you guys uh, for doing so. Um, but yeah, so overall I think Hani, Hani and I, there's a level of separation both pretty optimistic, but I'm more optimistic. Um, but it wasn't a perfect offseason, even though it was, to me, pretty successful. Yeah, I mean, um, I guess my, my last thing on AC is we talked a little bit about the Lakers really losing their identity through these moves, um, that the defensive identity, and I don't think anybody really exemplifies that more than Caruso, uh, not even you know a guy like AD, just because that's how Caruso came up. That's how he became a good NBA player, how he uh, got this almost $40 million contract um, is because of that defense. And, you know, last season, uh, besides besides everything else that went wrong with injuries and, and three-point shooting, a, a lot of concern, I think, was shown towards the chemistry of the team compared to the championship team that was just very tight-knit and close um, and, and celebrated everything together. Uh, last year's team didn't always seem that close. And losing a guy like Caruso, who seemed to be um, a, a little bit of a culture setter, despite being one of the younger guys on the team um, and, and being somebody that, uh, that whose teammates really all loved him, uh, celebrated everything he did from uh, drawing charges to, to dunking the ball or whatever else. Um, you know, I, I think that that could have a big effect um, and, and the other part of this is that, you know, when when you are building championship teams, once you have that that core uh, of your superstars, and they have that in LeBron and AD, um, and you know we, we can throw Russ in that in that uh, tier or not, um, then it's all about winning in the margins. And I think losing Alex Crusoe is decidedly a losing um, decision. Uh, you know, uh, to, to make it in, in that regard. Um, and, you know, that, that's just my thing that, that it's concerning because I don't know if they will continue to make uh, winning or, or losing moves in the margins, um, which is something that, you know, I guess to be fair, I, I was uh, very optimistic about this front office being able to do that about a year ago. Um, you know, like as an example, that the Marquise Morris signing in the buyout market was obviously very huge, uh, at least in one round of the playoffs, and was a big reason uh, I, I think that that they ended up dominating those playoffs. So, you know, it, that that's the flip side of it is that they have shown an ability to to do that. Um, but like I said before, I, I just have some concerns based off of the AC move, um, whether they're going to be able to continue doing that. Hmm. Yep. <clears throat> Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting, man. It's 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 an interesting conversation. I think with with Alex, I think just about every Laker fan agrees that it was a mistake to let him walk. Um, but you know, it, it's an interesting conversation. Like I said, I try I've tried to see it from other perspective perspectives, and I can understand different arguments and stuff like that. But um, it is it's sad to see happen because I think if you add him to this roster, um, man, it it would look really, really good. Um, and to me, I mean, it would 
for me, we'll probably vault it to an A plus grade. Like I wouldn't have really many complaints. Obviously, the team is going to be older for the what I you know mentioned earlier. When you have three superstars and a potential you know chance to to win a championship, and you're a championship favorite, you're going to be older. Um, it's just kind of the the nature of it because young players aren't signing up for minimum contracts when. You know, like like Lonzo Ball, for example, wasn't going to come over for the taxpayers' yeah. mid-level exception of six million dollars a year when he's got the Bulls offering him what four years, eighty-five million or whatever it was. So, um, yeah. and I, you know, that's hundred percent understandable. I don't blame those guys one bit. So, um, so yeah, you know, it's it's going to be interesting. I like the the makeup of the roster so far, but I, I think that they can definitely um, bolster it a little more with these last couple roster spots. With that being said, let's dive in uh to these last roster spots what i guess so we've got three open roster spots honey i think me and you both agree that they're going to leave one spot open it was a big big reason why they didn't want to be hard capped with a sign and trade where they took in an incoming player via sign and trade um because they want to have that flexibility and they'll you know on the buyout market it's probably going to be a battle mostly between the lakers and the nets uh, the Nets really cleaned up on the buyout market last year. Uh, a lot of guys signed up for cheap to go over there. I would anticipate the Lakers are going to have guys lining up for the last open roster spot or two if they do create those. So right now, let's assume basically that they're going to leave that 15th spot open. Let's assume that Jared Dudley is going to take a spot because we anticipate that he will. Uh, ultimate locker room guy. Uh, teammates love him. Coaches love him. Um. So that would leave essentially one spot left. Who yeah. who do you kind of have circled as somebody you'd like to see in that spot? Okay. So before we started this podcast, I wouldn't have necessarily said this this name. Uh, you mentioned that we were going to talk about this right before we came on, and I you know scavenged my brain. And I was like, hmm, who do I want at that last roster spot? And I decided that my answer was going to be a little bit of a hot take because one, it's funny. And two, I kind of believe it. Uh, I want Dennis Schroeder back. <laughs> oh, okay. I wasn't expecting that. Look, I, I think it's a win-win situation. One, the Lakers can still offer Dennis a, a good amount of money that uh, he has very clearly lost because no other team is going to be able to pay him a lot of money right now uh, as, as cap space is drying up. So even on a one-year deal, Lakers can give him a solid chunk of money so that it's not a total loss for him. That's his incentive for coming back. Um, plus, you know, the, they retain his bird rights. If they trade him to a different team, that team will have his bird rights, and then they can go over the cap to re-sign him at a big deal, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, from the Lakers' perspective, look, I, I'm just not super convinced about any of the other Lakers guards uh, other than Russell Westbrook. Um, I love THT. I, I have a lot of hope for his potential not sure if he's going to be uh, you know at that level of, of an impactful player for a championship team this season i sure hope he is um the other guys you know they're they're specialists it's wayne ellington is a three-point specialist can't he's more you know his threes play some defense uh malik monk three-point specialist um we don't really know what we're going to get in him because he hasn't played a whole lot uh especially this last season in charlotte um, so all these guys I'm not super convinced of. I think Dennis comes back, he's uh, automatically their second-best guard. Um, I, I guess Kendrick Nunn is the, is the other one I forgot to mention. I think he's their second-best guard, Dennis is. 
if he comes back. So you have uh, Russ number three because THG is obviously <laughs> number one. Exactly. Uh, why else would Dennis take over for Russ on the Thunder? There's your, there's uh, your hot take. <laughs> Uh, he automatically gives them that point of attack defender. Like we said, that was something that mm-hmm. uh, we weren't really expecting when the Lakers traded for him, but he really did win us over on that end of the floor as a point of attack defender. He really gets in guys' faces, uh, plays hard on that end of the floor. Um, I'll, always loved watching him hustle. Those I'll never forget those dives for the wall where he just flies through the air like Superman. Um, uh, I think having that sort of player is, is valuable. Um, and then offensively, you know, not not the greatest shooter. So you uh, um, so you do lose that. He's not a Dennis shooter. He's a Dennis shooter. Um, I knew you were about but, to make that joke. You could just see it in your face. But, <laughs> I'm disgusted. Uh, but he does kind of give you the same sort of like chaotic energy that Russ does, where he's speeding up the pace and, and getting into the lane and, and finishing. Um, I think the the playoffs really made people forget how great Dennis was in the regular season. I think he was a huge, huge, huge reason why they were able to uh, really stay in the playoff race and, and, and stay stable when LeBron and AD were both injured. Um, he, he was really good during that stretch for the most part of it. Um, so, you know, if he's willing to buy into that role as a backup guard where he's not going to be playing a whole lot of minutes, where if he does struggle in the playoffs again, it's not quite as big of an issue because there are um, other options and, and other uh, routes for the Lakers to, to get that sort of production from a backup guard, then I think he can, you know, sizably increase their ceiling just because I, I, from a talent perspective and, and the sort of production that he can provide, I think he's a step above pretty much everybody else uh, that he would be competing against if he, if he did resign. Yeah, so I wouldn't be upset at all if the Lakers did bring back Dennis Schroeder for the reasons that you mentioned. I think it would also bring some younger legs to the team, which they could obviously use. I mean, he's not you know, a 23-year-old, but he's definitely young in comparison to most of the roster. Um, yeah. I was pleasantly surprised by his play last year. Um, especially defensively. Uh, I think there there's a role for him on this team as kind of that sixth man. And I, I think that was kind of the idea we had with him coming over last year was he was going to be a, a sixth man and, and be like this super sub. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that could be, potentially be a role for him. Um, so I wouldn't be mad at all at it. I just would be – at this point, I would be shocked – Honestly, if Dennis yeah. Schroeder is brought back, I wouldn't be surprised if he is signed and traded because at this point, man, nobody's going to pay him. Like, Charlotte's one of the only teams left, I think, with cap space, and they're trying to get uh, Laurie Markinen from uh, the, the Bulls. So, yeah. um, and it's going to be valuable, I think, for Dennis to take a sign and trade so that whoever acquires him gets his bird rights. Um, even if it's mm-hmm. a one year deal, can try and hit the market again next, uh, next summer and, and try and hit the market and hope that the point guard market's a little. Uh, a little more, uh, a little less saturated than than it was because there was a lot of good point guards this year with not many teams that had the space to, to spend. So uh, one thing on that, and I, I'm not entirely sure, but I'm pretty sure. Um, I believe if if you get signed and traded, it has to be a minimum of three years. So that is a, a little bit of a uh, something that might not really help the Lakers out is that you know wh- whatever team wants him even if it's it's probably going to be at a pretty low uh, money value um, that, that they would be willing to, to have him for three years and it sounds like right now the only rumor is the the Celtics 
Um, Which the Lakers, and the nice thing about huh? Which the Lakers are not going to help them. <laughs> well, yes, correct. But <laughs> hear me out. Uh, the nice thing about the Celtics is that I believe they have like a nine million dollar trade exception. So if the Lakers can just literally swap Schroeder for for a trade exception, that's something that they could take into the season and get a difference maker for uh, you know without having to give back any salary. So. Um, I think that would be a smart thing is for them to find a team with uh, with a trade exception to give him to. Um, but obviously that team would have to agree uh, to sign him for three years, and then Dennis would have to agree to go to that team. Which Dennis isn't going to have many options at this point. <laughs> so uh, I don't know. It would yeah. be, be great for the Lakers to get something back. Uh, if it's going to be Boston, uh, it's Jason Tatum or nothing. That's my final <laughs> offer. So. Uh, look. Throw in, we can, throw in Jalen Brown. They, they, they can, yeah, I was going to say, they can talk us down to Jalen Brown. I uh, won't be happy about it. I mean, we'll, we'll, take, we'll take both, but I'll settle for, <laughs> settle for one. And an unprotected first-round pick. Um, <laughs> yeah, man, I, I wouldn't mind Schroeder being back, like you said, for especially just for having a point-of-attack defender. Yeah. Um, I just would be shocked just for various reasons. I think he really rubbed – the wrong people the wrong way um yeah if that makes sense with landing on the, the you know the the covid list i think it was twice or three times and multiple times i think he was one of the only players for that to happen especially for it to happen right before the playoffs um mm-hmm. and then with game five going over nine when basically ad was out and the lakers needed somebody to step up and you go over nine when you're kind of expected to be that second guy uh, it's it's a bad look. I think it, it leaves a bad taste in, in people's mouths. And another thing, too, is obviously LeBron's going to have a pretty significant amount of influence over roster personnel. And him, I think in like a German article, outing LeBron as, as somebody who was not – was like one of the only players on the team not vaccinated. I think all that stuff, but especially that right there, LeBron is is probably going to say, "No, nah, you, you're done." Like you, yeah. I, and and I wouldn't blame him for that because I I don't think that that was that was cool, um, you know, to to share that because that's not his information to share. But yeah, so yeah, I'd be cool with bringing him back. I just would be shocked if it happens. Um, yeah, I, I don't think it'll happen either. I just thought it'd be funny to <laughs> bring up the idea. <laughs> Dennis for the minimum. Um, yeah, no. So I've got three players in mind. Um, they are all old, <laughs> for lack of a better word. Uh, so I'll, I'll rank them in order. Number three on my list would be Avery Bradley due to familiarity. And, I mean, it was two seasons ago, but he was a very good point-of-attack defender for the Lakers. And the guy's just a dog, man. Uh, he, yeah. he just gets after. He's a tough, hard-nosed player. And... I think can still play defense at a solid level, maybe not an elite level, but a solid level. And it sucked because he was playing like really good basketball right before COVID shut everything down and was really starting to get going. And then COVID shut down. And then obviously he, he opted out um, for, for personal reasons. And we didn't get to see him as a, as a Laker anymore after that. And that sucks. But um, he's a guy I would keep an eye on uh, just because I've said it a few times now, point of attack defender would be really nice. Number two on my list would be Andre Iguodala, who I would be shocked if he doesn't sign with the Golden State Warriors. But Sham Sharania did report earlier this evening, by the time that we're recording this, 
that he had basically narrowed his list down to three teams, and shocker, the Lakers and the Nets were among the three teams, and the Golden State Warriors were the other team. And the Warriors are probably the favorite, but I wouldn't be upset. Iguodala obviously isn't the player that he was even three, four years ago, but I think could still be impactful as a, as a bigger wing defender. He is a pretty good passer and a guy that can create plays for others. You obviously don't want him to really shoot threes, but – um, not going to be a floor spacer, but it's kind of like a point forward. Would give the Lakers another la- uh, another layer of playmaking um, that would be good. And even with like a guy like Mark Gasol is going to bring a little bit of playmaking when he's on the floor too. So um, wouldn't be mad at that. But I think my number one guy would be Wes Matthews for familiarity purposes, plus almost like sentimental purposes. Like I, I just love Wes. I've always been a fan of Wes. I want to see him get a ring, and I want to see him do it as a Laker. And watching like his his exit interview and how how much he talked about how badly he wanted to be back and he you know all those guys really wanted to run it back and it it's it's crazy to think that uh, if they did they would have had a good shot I think to to get back to the finals and potentially win it and then we purged pretty much the whole roster so uh, did the complete opposite but I would like to see Wesley Matthews come back because. I think he can still provide value defensively. Plus, um, in terms of like shooting, uh, I would trust him a lot more than I would trust a guy like Iguodala. Um, even though yeah. West, you know, wasn't a great shooter, he was at least a decent one. Um, he's going to have those games where he, he gets hot. Um, he's going to have games where he doesn't shoot well, but um, just a solid, savvy veteran, uh, physical, physical player that I think can still uh, play a little bit of defense and would help this team, uh, especially on that end of the floor. Uh, plus, I had an idea of a closing lineup of Russell Westbrook, Wesley Matthews, Trevor Ariza, LeBron James, and Anthony Davis. I think would be pretty fun and overall pretty solid on both ends of the floor because you'd have a couple wing defenders, plus you have AD back there. Um, and then you have two elite playmakers, AD, a monster around the basket. You'd probably still have at least decent spacing um, around Westbrook. So, um, yeah, that was kind of a thought that I had. It's, it's probably more sentimental value than anything because, like I said, I love I love Wes and I want to see him get a, a title in purple and gold. But um, we'll see. We'll see, man. Uh, it's yeah. You usually don't think much about the end of the roster uh, or, like, end of the bench types of guys, but the Lakers have this luxury where they are a championship team and veterans are signing up to play for the, the minimum. And they can, I mean, make those spots pretty valuable. Yeah, um, Wes is definitely the guy that I first thought of mind before I went with that answer. Um, and I, I realistically, he is a guy that I would want most uh, to return I, you know, for all the reasons that you said, so I don't want to regurgitate that. Another guy I want to bring up as a flyer and also to get you a little upset, uh, how about Justice Winslow? <laughs> I thought you were going to like say something to get me going, like happy, and then you bring a Duke player into things. <laughs> um, I, you know, so I think uh, I like the idea of justice before we got Russell Westbrook um, because he is also not a very good shooter, so that fit just gets very clunky. But as a guy who can be a wing defender, he can also kind of slide down to uh, a position and play uh, the four, basically. Um, has some good playmaking chops, has some good defensive ability. He obviously has not played a whole lot the last few years because of injuries. Um, so that's an issue, but that might be the reason why he's available for a minimum. And I think he's a guy that is a very uh, 
probably low floor but also high ceiling value. Um, and as your end of the bench sort of option, I, I really wouldn't hate that as a as somebody that they go after. I would I would be all for like finding a, a younger player, like a reclamation project, kind of like Malik Monk, um, to take a flyer yeah. on and try and um, let Phil Handy do his 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 work, man, and work his magic and try and um, you know get get a young player kind of back on the right track. So exactly. All right, we're gonna. I'm gonna try and kind of keep up with the chat. Uh, some I see some of the new Twitch follows. You guys have been active in the chat, and I love that. I love sparking the conversation and, and getting that going. Um, here in the near future, I do want to do like a mailbag stream uh, where we just we talk talk about the roster. We interact with you guys, answer your questions and stuff like that. So um, you know, I definitely want to get you guys more involved. I knew this was going to be a lengthier one. Um, just based on we're talking about the whole roster and not really anything in in particular. So um, just kind of catching up with with the chat. I saw somebody ask about Kelly Oubre. Um, I think it would be another guy that would probably kind of fit that that Winslow type of type of role, like a reclamation project. I don't yeah. see him signing for the minimum. Um, it sounds like he was talking. Was he talking with Charlotte? Charlotte, yeah. Um, so I think that somebody's going to give him probably like a mid-level exception or part of a mid-level exception, which would be more money than what the Lakers can offer. Um, so I, I, I'd be fine with it, um, just to add like another potentially viable wing option. Um, I would just be kind of surprised if they can get him for the minimum. Which hey, you never know. But that's uh, it is what it is. Uh, somebody asked, where does Dennis Schroeder end up? I, I don't know. I mean, you could say China at this point. I wouldn't be uh, that, that surprised, man. The market dried up on him really, really quick. Yeah, I, I don't know. I guess Boston is is the front runner just because that's that smallest morsel of, of rumors that we've heard about him being connected to a team. And they it's crazy, traded man. away Kemba at Walker, point, and so it, like, it created an opening for, for that. Yeah. At, at, at this point, I think he is like criminally underrated. He is not such a bad player that nobody should be interested in him. I think there's a lot of off-the-court stuff that bothers people, but that's a good player. Like, somebody... <laughs> I don't understand how nobody even at a discount tried to get for him. Either he and his agent just completely screwed up, which, I mean, they definitely screwed up to some extent. Um, But, man, that's insane to me that that there's just no interest. Yeah, I think some of the off-court stuff hasn't helped him. Like like I said, landing on the COVID list twice and, you know, some of the – like maybe the comment he made about LeBron – yeah. I don't know. Like, I think he he can still be a very valuable player, especially as like a sixth man. He was, I think, he almost won sixth man of the year two seasons ago when he was with the Thunder. Um, yeah, like, still a good player. It's it's kind of amazing that nobody has offered even like a mid level exception. So um, there might be yeah. some off court stuff that teams know about and don't want to don't want to deal with. So um, let's see. One comment said, I'll give the Lakers an A questions with the rust fit, but they can fit him into a role. And they went out and got solid role players that can shoot. Uh, I would, I would agree. Um, I think that this is a very, that's the thing with, with Russ and we'll save this really for another pod. But and I mentioned this is like, this is a totally different role than he's ever played. Like he's played with some really good players, but not mm-hmm. a guy like LeBron. Like playing with LeBron is a lot different than playing with a guy like Durant, who is, unbelievable player like don't get me wrong but is more of a scorer whereas lebron's kind of a pass first kind of guy so 
Um, just yeah. different styles, different styles. Uh, will Russ average a triple double? How many games do you think each star will play in an 82 game season? Uh, triple double for us average this year. Uh, that's a fun question that I think a lot of people are asking. He's it's been like four years in a row or something like four that. Four of the average. last five years, I believe. Four of the five, there we go. Um, I guess I would lean towards no, just because LeBron is also going to have the ball a whole lot. And I think that should theoretically limit at least the number of assists that Russ gets. Um, but I, you know, I wouldn't bet against them either. Like that dude, that's <laughs> somehow, somehow he keeps getting them. That's uh... whether he's, whether he's playing good or not, he, he gets a triple double. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think Russ is still going to rebound the, the heck out of the basketball, yeah. especially one thing I'm going to love is Russ rebounding the ball because AD likes to leak out a lot and those like mm-hmm. long outlet passes to AD. Like AD has two guys that can do that for him now. So uh, Over under uh, 0.5 videos of, of Russ and LeBron in the backseat of the same car uh, wrongly uh, lip syncing to us on. Oh, over. Probably over on like the first night. They're gonna they're gonna get Phoenix opening night, they're gonna win and that's gonna be their like Instagram on their Instagram immediately after the game. Alright. So smash the over. <laughs> Alright, guys. Um I'm gonna bookmark some of these questions. Uh for the next pod, which the next pod is either gonna be a mailbag pod where we kinda answer your questions and just interact with you guys and that's the whole show. Or we're going to talk about the roster completely filling out, which we don't know when that's going to be. So um, I think hopefully maybe this weekend uh, we can do just kind of a mailbag pod. So be sure to tune into that when I know kind of a date and time. I will set it on Twitch so you guys will be able to see kind of the schedule for it. And, um, and yeah, we'll, we'll do that uh, hopefully here in the next couple of days. So as always, guys, we do these live on twitch.tv slash Lakers Outsiders. Uh, you can follow and subscribe to us there. You can follow along on facebook.com slash Lakers Outsiders and then over on YouTube. On those three, we always do these live. We can usually interact with the, with the chat. We just had a lot to talk to uh, talk about today, so I apologize we didn't do it more. Um, but uh, you can also listen to these in podcast form, which I'm going to have to do uh, some editing with the stream cutting out on me. But, um, but yeah, any podcast platform that you listen to, Podbean, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, whatever, uh, will be up there uh, usually the next morning. Uh, you can follow me, as you can see on the screen if you're watching this live, uh, at Gary Kester. You can follow Hani just at uh, H-O-N-I-A-H-M. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, we had a great, great uh, audience for this. You guys were active in the chat, brought some great questions and comments that we're going to save um, for a uh, future pod, uh, hopefully this weekend. And, uh, yeah, Hani, thank you for joining me. It's good to see you. Uh, looking good from that Cancun vacation. I think it was about two months, but... Um, See how tan I am? <laughs> I think people actually think I did go to Cancun at this point. Like, I'm super brown right now, more than usual, and you keep saying it. So I think everybody believes it. I didn't go anywhere. I was still in San Diego. <laughs> just just lean into it. Just lean into it. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, we're going to get out of here. Thank you, thank you guys again so much. Thank you for the new Twitch follows. Appreciate you guys. Um, just thank you so much for, for listening, and I uh, hope to see you guys on the, on the next pod. So... Um, Until next time, I am Gary Kester with Hani Amadian and the Lakers Outsiders signing off. Shout out AC Fresh, the Bald Eagle, the champ, Alex Caruso.